good. I want to read a few uh, passages of Scripture today. The title of the message is Devoted. Say that with me. Devoted. So Acts chapter 2, 42 and 43. He said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. Okay, I'm going to read again verse 46 and 47. Next one. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. One last one, Acts 5:42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and to preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word today. We ask that you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We yield our hearts, O God, to be taught of you, to be taught by you, God. Help me, Lord, as I speak that I give what you want me to give, not more, not less, O God, but your word that you have for every one of us today, God, we pray. As your word goes forth, we ask for, we, we ask for miracles. Lord, you said that your word goes forth. You sent your word, you healed our disease. We thank you that your word is a, has healing virtue in it, God, that today we are healed, spirit, soul, and body, at the sitting of your word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout the greatest amen ever. Amen. amen. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, um, um, Sue, it's so good to see you in the service. We welcome you. You look good. God is so good all the time. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And then there's another, just a most handsome guy you've ever met here. He's been around, but I haven't given a, an official recognition there. Matthew and Ashley, I know you brought your little guy over there. Just show him off a little bit. The first recognition in the service there. Look at him. Look at him right there. Congratulations, guys. How awesome. I'm telling you, the church is growing. They're doing their job. Some of us are doing our job. Some of you, I don't know. God help you. But God is good. All right. So um, uh, in the passage I read today, as we're talking about devoted, devoted, I wanted to pick out that line from the first phrase I, I, I read in Acts 2.42. This is a picture of the early believers, the first believers after the Lord was resurrected. In fact, at this point, the church had just gained 3,000 people that had given their, put their trust in Jesus Christ, become brand new believers. A lot of these people didn't know anything when it comes to foundation, when it comes to the Bible, or any, any of that, uh, that stuff. Christianity was really new. But the Bible says that as they continued, they, that they devoted themselves to these things. Devotion, uh, as, as, as defined by the, uh, devoted, as defined by the dictionary, says that it's being dedicated, to be enthusiastic, to be zealous, to be keen, or faithful. And uh, so, so, like, to devote to a task or having a single-minded or loyalty. See, here's the thing. In life, you can never be successful at anything in life unless you're devoted to it. You cannot be devoted. You cannot be successful in your job or your business. You could be mediocre. You could go in and just punch the clock and just be like everybody else and say, hey, I'm, I'm hired for eight hours. I'm going to be there eight sharp and I'm going to leave it, you know, the first one in, uh, the last one in, the last, uh, 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 the, the first one out, you know, uh, uh, and you will be okay. You'll get, you'll get your dime. You will get uh, whatever you need to. You will get your wages if you have a faithful employer. 
But you will never go beyond that. You will never do something great if you are just an ordinary. It requires devotion to do anything uh, extraordinary. I do believe that the Lord has created us for something greater than just the norm. I believe that for my life, and I hope you believe that for your life. If you haven't, I've got to tell you today that God created you for something greater than just the ordinary. And if you're going to go beyond the ordinary, you've got to learn to be a devoted person. If you're, uh, God's put a business in your mind that you want to do it, don't go half-heartedly on it. If you're going to go in, you have to be devoted. You have to be uh, dedicated. You have to be enthusiastic about it. You have to, to be very, very focused and give it all that you can. Don't give it just half the job. If you give it half your energy, you will get half the results. Education, if you're pursuing higher education. Even marriage. Some people are so excited when they get married. And it, it's awesome. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. How many love weddings? Most of the time it's awesome. Okay? But you know, you've got to devote it to it if it's going to last a long time. You've got to be devoted. Raising kids. Raising kids. Our culture complains about kids all the time. Everything you hear about kids, oh, they're crazy, whatever. People don't, people want to see kids. They want to tell you what kids should be like or whatever. And so sometimes even parents, they go into parenting and just can't wait for the opportunity to escape. And you are not devoted to it. And you're not going to get out of your kids what you already see that they are capable of. How about debt and saving money? It can be an imagination. Oh, boy. When I get that tax refund, I'm going to start over again, you know. I'm going to get a head start. And, you know, if you're not really focused, um, you will keep going through the same motion, never achieving anything. You know, someone said, a wise guy, I don't know who, but he was wise enough to say, if you keep doing the same things, you will get the same results. So if you want a different result in your life, you have to change and do something different, Right? So, so and, and we could go and throw in all sorts of, uh, of, uh, of uh, examples, even, even a hobby. If you like to golf, you really cannot be a good golfer by watching it on TV. So anything meaningful that you want to do, even if it's just for leisure, in order to see something good out of it, there's got to be some type of what added to it. Devoted. I was really impressed. We all, all were and still are to this day, by Michael Phelps. Yes, you remember Michael Phelps? The most decorated Olympian of all times. 28 gold medals. He, oh, no, 28 medals in total in the Olympics, you know? 23 of them gold. Uh, you know, uh, back in 2011, I remember uh, reading about um, uh, when he was, his workout, you know, uh, process, you know, while he was preparing for, for the next Olympics. It says in his speak phrase, Phelps used to swim 80,000 meters a week which was nearly 50 miles. He'll practice twice a day, sometimes more if he uh, is training in altitude. Phelps trained around five to six hours every day a week to give himself some additional, uh, and, 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 you know, to, uh, think about that. I'm thinking, in the water, six and a half hours? But, 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 but some of his races were just seconds, you know, a minute and something. You watch it like, wow, that was amazing. And he impressed all of us. I, if you didn't knew it, he did me for sure. And every time he was on the pool, I was rooting for him. When he decided to go this last time, everybody's watching Michael Phelps. 
But that was hours of devoted and focus. You know, I had a boxing guy that said, you know, the boxing matches are never won on the ring. They're never won on the ring. They are won the hours and hours before that. You're getting the point. You're getting the point. So it's interesting that he uses the same term when it comes to um, uh, the early church. And the kind of results that we see in their lives. To me, I wanted to be at a church like that. In fact, I'm believing that I'll be a part of a church like that. I believe that we're going on to something. Because the Lord says that in the latter days, they'll be greater than the former days. So I'm believing that, hey, God still has something in us. That we can see the spectacular miracles that were going on in the church. And uh, because it's the same Holy Spirit that was in them, that was in you and I. But these guys were devoted. You know, in, in recent years, one of the things that um, it's actually, I would say probably bugged me for a little bit because, you know, sometimes you hear these phrases uh, that are actually true in it by themselves, but if applied wrongly, they can have really negative implications. For example, the phrase that you hear a lot that says it's not about religion it's about relationship how many know that it's not about religion it's relationship how many have said it i've said it to yourself you know and that, and, and it's a very good statement and the statement in itself is actually true but sometimes we take phrases like that and they get misapplied and then they have negative implications and i believe that the church in the recent years in the re- Particularly in the recent decade, uh, the church has been affected by statements like that. That has changed maybe in our psyche, in the way we think about ourselves. Because some of those phrases, the last phrases probably originated at a time where there was so much religiosity that people actually forgot about relationship with God and and, 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 and serving in Christianity became just about rules. We got so off the point that we're looking at checklists. Oh, wow, what kind of hairstyle is that? You know what I'm talking about. And so a, a statement like that can be liberating to people that are bound by the religion that is empty and devoid of the Spirit of God. But that same statement spoken to a generation that doesn't know how to be devoted to the Lord can actually lead people to everything goes, I'm all right. Because it's all about the love of God. It's not about anything I do. And so it's Him. I got nothing on my part. It's all Him. That's true too. But if it's misapplied, and it's not unique to us. Trust me. In the, you read um, Galatians chapter 5. Paul is addressing the same issues with the church. And he's talking about the, the church in Galatia. He's talking about the grace of God. And he's actually calling out the religious. The ones that were putting demands up on people and missing the point completely. And he's telling them, he opens chapter 5 of Galatians by actually making a case about grace. That we are saved by grace. It's a gift from God. It's not our works that save us. Right? But he goes on to the message. You keep reading the whole chapter, uh, chapter 5. He goes on and starts saying that, hey, but don't get this wrong, people. Don't use your freedom wrong. Don't use your freedom as an excuse for sin. 
And he goes on to tell him, hey, there's a way that if you have the Spirit in you, if you're living in the Spirit, there's there some fruits that come with a person that is walking with the Spirit of God. Not religious. There's a fruit that comes out of your life when you're being constantly filled with the Spirit. Again, he's not talking about religion. He's, talking, he's not talking about um, um, legalism. He's talking about grace. And he puts in a disposition... And he highlights the works of the flesh and the, and the fruits of the Spirit. And that they are opposite. So that someone that's living in the flesh, this is the kind of conduct that you kind of expect to see in their lives. And someone that's living in the Spirit, this is the kind of fruit that you can expect to see in their lives. And yet Paul is talking about grace. Is, are, are you with me? To see God move. To see our culture change, to see people truly saved, to see revival, it's going to take believers to be devoted. Not just float. If we put half the effort for the kingdom, we will get half the results. If you give a smidgen of the effort to the kingdom of time and money and, 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 and our just uttermost devotion to the Lord, we get that same much back in return. Because there are certain principles that you can't be cheated. What's put in it is what you go out of it. You see, I, was, I use Michael Phelps as an example. He's absolutely gifted. He's actually absolutely talented. They, they did a, a sports science, did this whole analysis. They've done it on LeBron James. They've done it on Michael Phelps. And they say how uniquely these guys were even built. That's why they are so unique. They, they have a grace of nobody. When LeBron gets a ball, there's nobody that can do it the same way as him. But if LeBron has the same gifting and it never works out, do you think we'll have LeBron James? Absolutely not. Steph Curry. I, oh boy, I like the basketball a lot, I guess. I'm setting you up for the NBA finals here. He's also very gifted, but that kid, shoots, when everybody is gone out of training, he's shooting hoops. Now, we love to see those shots that he makes from the other end of the floor and throwing it backwards and doing all sorts of things, but that's a lot of time of devotion. We only see the results of that. There are many people that you see good fruit in their lives. Many people that they are often think things that maybe are not even seen. But guess what? God sees everything. God is not unjust, he says in Hebrews chapter 6, to forget the labor of love that you show. When you serve the Lord, whether you get recognition by people, it does not matter at all. Sometimes people should be recognized and be appreciated, but you guess what? You can never always get that. But there's one who keeps good books. And he says in Hebrews 6, uh, he says that he is not uh, unjust to forget the labor of love that you do by serving his people. So God blesses people who serve his people. See what I'm saying? There are many things that we do or results that we do not see in our lives, also in the church today, because we miss, we, we are not devoted enough. We are not committed enough to the things of God. We are not committed enough to the Lord himself. And I, I believe that, the, that the, there's been some, um, actually that phrase, I tell you, the, the, the reason why it got to me is one time I watched uh, a, a video uh, that someone sent it to me 
uh, that was like online, you know, how videos go viral and all that kind of stuff. And it was this young man that was very gifted um, uh, communicator. And, uh, and he did this awesome, beautiful poem of some sort in a rap kind of thing and uh, very catchy phrases. And he was about not relationship, not, not religion, but relationship. And it was very cute looking at it. And many got, went viral, shared by a bunch of different people. And it was awesome. 90% was crude. But there were some really serious undertones that were off theologically. That many people don't catch. And I keep pick it apart. Because actually God is not against religion, people. God is against empty religion. And religion that misses the place, it takes the place of Christ to apply it with works. That just never works. But actually, God blesses good religion. In James, the New Testament people, the law says that true and undefiled religion is this. To visit the orphans and the widows in their time of need. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. He says, God, he says this is good and pleasing to the Father. Ever thought God would have religion that pleases him? He says that kind of religion is pleasing to the Father. You look out for the kids that don't have anybody with them. Don't believe and just ignore. In our country, we have a lot of kids that grow up in the foster care system. Many of these kids don't have anybody. And sometimes they have a lot of gaps in their lives. And once they go, why won't they do this? No. Some things you got, they never got. He says, let your heart be tender for those kids. Don't be quick to, to judge them. Be there for them. Women that are alone. Or all those things. God says, those are close to my heart. And then he adds there, and keep oneself unsported from the world. So when you do this, that's religion that pleases the Lord. That's the New Testament. So, 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 so I want you to think again with that statement. I'm just saying it's entirely wrong because it's a true statement, but apply it correctly. But it can be misleading and sometimes can lead people to wrong uh, uh, results because they let the God down and they don't put any devotion to anything. God, the Lord requires of us devotion. He says, if you want to be my disciples, one must pick up their cross and follow me. He says, if you're going to be my disciples, someone says, you've got to leave everything you have to follow me. What does that mean? It means that I don't want half of you. It's not like God will take things away from you. In fact, when you follow him, he'll give you even more. But he wants to make sure that he's up here. That's why we do things like tithing. Why that principle starts all in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. Why? It's just saying, God, I'm not the provider of me. You are. I honor you with the first part of all my income. He says, not the last part. I can do 10% from the bottom. God says, no, I want the 10% from the top because you're saying, you are Lord. You are Lord. And he blesses the rest. Those are the th- it, it actually just showing where your heart is. See, Jesus articulated it in Matthew chapter 6. And he says that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. That's what you're devoted to. So the early church, it says that they were devoted, the new believers, they're devoted to teaching. They're devoted to sound doctrine. Because the apostles were teaching sound doctrine. How many know that even in the time that we live in, there are many voices 
We have the opportunity right now to get on Google and listen to any ch- subject, even challenge what I'm saying right now, and see another preacher that would do something different or say something different about it. But they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. They were planted in their churches. They had some type of discipline. They have some type of creed, some type of faith and belief, and a, and, and a commitment to one another. This is what devoted to the teaching. Example I gave you about the young man. His video was very viral. It went viral. A lot of people watched it from there. And then from that time on, uh, he became some type of a, of a voice because he has this huge following. So if he starts putting things out there that are not right, how, how, they did a great thing before. But they went off the rail. Who's their pastor? Are they submitted to any spiritual authority? Do they have any discipline in their lives? Do people check on them? We don't know that. They're gifted. They can communicate awesomely. We've got to put a guard on ourselves. Being able to, 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 to explore, learn, hear from people, but be able to take the meat and throw the bones. Having the discernment to be able to recognize between what's quality and what's not. That takes devotion. Can I get an amen? It's quiet in this house. They were devoted to good sound doctrine. Second thing they were devoted to, it says that they were devoted to fellowship. Think about that. What's fellowship? Friendship, companionship, camaraderie. They were looking out for each other. They were having fun with each other. They were, lo- they were developing friendships within believers. Another uh, statement that came on from the time where maybe the church as a whole, as a whole had become so secluded from the world that we became so ineffective in reaching the loss. I've had a phrase someone say to me once. He says, you know, don't be too heavenly minded that you're not earthly good. Great, great statement. But it comes from that idea again that sometimes there's such... Christians have become so secluded from the world that we can't relate to the world that we are trying to reach. See, and that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. But you know, sometimes if you're getting believers that are coming from the world... They don't have to change that much. See, the testimony becomes is when Jesus touched me, look the change he made in me. And that's the testimony that's going to win their friends, not the testimony of like, oh, I'm still a Christian, but I don't see anything different from you and me. It doesn't mean you have to be judgmental, but there's got to be some fruit in your life that your friends look at and say, man, she's got some real. She used to curse every time. I was around her. Whatever happened? Who touched your tongue? Jesus touched my tongue. See, that statement too is that we got to look at and put an effort in surrounding ourselves with believers. There's a time we were preaching at the church. It says, surround yourself with non-believers, friends. And now I'm telling you the opposite. Because so beli- we were so changed, we became so religious that we can't touch the world. We don't have compassion on the world. So pastors were preaching and preaching and preaching. says, guys, you've got to get out there. You've got to get yourself in the world. So that you can reach those people. Not be with at the world. Go in the world. But now, it's the exact opposite. So those things we taught maybe 20 years ago don't apply. 
Because we have 97 or more percent. This is not scientific at all. It's just my estimation. Of time we spend is with non-believers. We need to come back and be devoted to other believers. So we can, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We can keep the flames of fire burning. So that when you do go back to the world, you have something of Jesus. They're smelling Jesus around you and it draws them to him. They made it a priority in their lives to rally around other believers. He says they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, just hanging around believers. You know, my world, every influence I get, if I'm upset about something, the opinion I get first is from a non-believer. Don't you think that those things don't have an impact? They do. Words are powerful. Words don't come back and it plants that seed over and over again. And before you realize your opinions on things change and they mirror the world to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So we have to put an extra effort in our days to actually find ourselves surrounded with believers. I say you shouldn't go a week. You should never go a week without actually having a time where you get together with other believers. Whether it's a church, small group, anything, pray with believers. Get yourself that company of, uh, of godly people. I'm not saying believers are perfect. Some of them will drive you nuts too, just like the world, maybe even nuts. But at least you're drawn to the same father. You can learn together. You can grow together. You can challenge each other. You will clash sometimes, but you can do it in the way Bible teaches us on how to go about those things. And then you go from this level to this level to this level to this level. And trust me, as you grow in the Lord, you don't have to work hard. Your testimony will be evident everywhere you go. The third thing they were devoted to, it says they were devoted to, to breaking bread, eating together. Question for you, when's the last time you ate with somebody here in this church? Huh? Maybe this morning? That's good. We've got to put those efforts. Sometimes they go, I don't know anybody. I'm kind of new, I don't know. Well, the way you do it is to make it happen. And small groups provide that platform where you can meet people in a different kind of way, in a non-Sunday um, kind of way, and I am getting hot here. That's what we want to... You see, when we say getting yourself in small group, get connected. Um, it's not like you don't have anything else to do. But that's exactly the point, too. It's not the place you go to when you have nothing else to do. Just as church, it's like, well, I have a lot to do now. Oh, I'm free this Sunday. I'll go to church. That's not devotion. That's opposite. You see what I'm saying? You make it a, you make it a point in your life. No one can do that to you. But these guys recognized that there was something they were getting out of it. I would imagine not every meeting they had was absolutely superb. They said, man, when we got together at Andy's house, the Holy Spirit moved. It was so surreal. It was powerful. I don't think so. I think there are times they came in as a jish. Today I barely made it here. That guy at work. Or that girl. 
And I was absolutely tired. I wanted to sit on the couch and just go. But I dragged myself there. I have to believe they had, because they were humans, just like you and I. But they made it a point. And it's in the everyday in doing so. I'm not saying those things will automatically make you righteous. Thank you very much. Now that's a devoted woman right there. Thank you. You see what I'm saying? So the feelings we have, it's because we are human people. Try to pinch yourself. Try it. It hurts, does it? So we get tired. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But, you know, the thing with our faith, we sang it. It was a song there we sang this morning. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Woo! I'm not going to live by what I... Why? Because a step of faith goes beyond what I'm feeling in the now and now. I, 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 I go upon what God's word says. I may not be feeling good at all. But I'm saying, God, you said... And I'm doing it as per the word. And there is a blessing that's attached to obedience to God's word. Lastly, they were devoted to prayer. You know, one of the things I found to be very um, uh, interesting about God as I learned to serve him and walk with him is the simplest things and the simplest things in the Bible are the most powerful things. The most simple things in the Christianity usually are the most powerful things. Prayer sometimes can be kind of like, uh, we've got to pray. Just something you say. Well, someone's not, someone is sick. Pray for them. Oh, yeah, we'll pray for you. And sometimes people don't even do that. I've made it a point in my life when I hear a prayer request, I stop right there. If I'm in the place, I pray right there. It was an email. I will open that email and I'll pray right there. If the Lord brings them in my heart again, I'll pray again. But I don't postpone it. I say, hey, I'll pray for them. Phone call, whatever. I pray right there. Someone tells me, right there, let's stand, let's pray. It could be on the street, it could be in the house. Could be, well, let's just pray right now. Because there's power in prayer. So in Acts chapter 12, if you've been reading the book of Acts, Peter gets arrested for preaching the gospel. And the church, some of the believers are meeting in different houses and they are praying and they're just praying a storm. They're asking God to, you know, like help Peter. You know, you know he's, not, he's not a bad guy. And they all know that. And Peter walks in. In the middle of the prayer meeting, he opens the door and walks right in. Because an angel showed up in prison and got Peter out. And they got a chance to, Peter got a chance to preach to the people too about the Lord. And the place went, went unglued, you know. Because as they were praying, God just answered their prayer miraculously right there. Have you ever had moments like that? I remember earlier this year, um, I'm driving here to church, uh, to my office, when driving this big old van that we have for all the kids. And we only had one car for almost a, over a year. I'm like thinking, wow. So I'm like, I'm driving, I'm thinking, Sarah has an appointment, and I'm thinking in my mind, boy, we need a second car. And we're like, I'm not going to get a loan for it. So God knew that. I just, I want to pay for it. Gosh, I was like, God, you got to, I'm praying on my way here. You got to open a door for us to get a car. I get a, in the office within like 15 minutes, someone gives me a call who has no idea that we have one car. He says, hey, could you guys use a small car? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's how God works. 
And they're devoted in prayer because God does it. And God knew. I could have gone God alone and get a car. And there's nothing wrong about getting a loan. I used to be a loan officer doing those loans. So there's nothing wrong about that. But we just were believing God. Well, if you're going to give us a car, we don't want a, a payment behind it. Because we don't want to be free. And God honored even that. They're devoted to praying. I tell you, <clears throat> there's a lot going on in the world. A lot about... One of the, uh, in Kenya, I grew up uh, around Muslims. There's a lot of changes going on. There are a lot more Muslims in the Western world than they ever were. And, uh, and the thing is, I know a lot about Islam, probably more than most everybody in here. Not only did I grow up around it, I read a lot about Islam. And, 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 and it's always important for us to, to separate Muslim, an individual that's born into a Muslim family. Versus Islam, the religion, the ideology, the way of life. Those are two different things, and you'll be able to distinguish that. It's kind of like that statement we make about it's, uh, it's not the sinner. It's not the, about the sin. You know what I mean? I don't. So it's good as, as God's people to be able to distinguish that. But the system itself, the religion itself, what it teaches. It's really interesting. And I think I, I don't have enough time to go through that. But um, it's a lot of dead religion. There are a lot of strong rules. But the Muslims, one of the things I admire about them, that it teaches a lot as Christians, is the devotion they have to the dead religion. I was a young man, I remember one time, there was a pastor near where I grew up that had his church open. The century was always open for prayer, 24-7. If you want to pray, they just his pastors dedicated prayer. And they had a place where there was a key that was hidden for prayer warriors. If you want to go pray, you know. The prayer warriors knew exactly where the key is. And so different ones will go there. There was, 20, there was 24 hours a day. Anybody that wants to go to just pray, you go to a sanctuary. They knew exactly where to get the key in. And boy, I was there every day. And we got to meeting different believers that had a burden for prayer. And some of them we even became good friends because we'll end up see, hitting each other at the same time. One of the guys, I remember his name was Alex. We kept meeting there. I got to know the guy. He was just really a, a prayerful guy. And I, and I, and, and, and I remember this church is right here. A few yards down the road there is a mosque. And they do like the five o'clock call to prayer. Well, actually, I know it. Believe me. Because every time I went to pray, it was going on. Yeah. So it's a big loudspeaker waking everybody up in the neighborhood. And, and, I, and, I, and there was always somebody there and a whole bunch of them there ready at five o'clock without fail that thing will be going on every single day of the week and i i remember sometime would actually say man i'm gonna beat those muslims there we're gonna go pray and my buddy and i we would actually go in and pray and sometimes we'll be like man we <laughs> it's just i will bind every spirit da, 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 da. one time and the god would choke and the thing will not work and we'll give each other a high five yeah we got there but I remember thinking to myself, we believers who have the Spirit of God inside of us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us. 
even if we give 5% of devotion to the Lord, of what they give, the world will be a different place as we know it. Because for us, it's not about religion. It's the power of God that dwells in us. The Bible says that I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We have the gospel inside of us, the full power of the Holy Ghost inside of us. We become devoted to the Lord. Lincoln will explode. Believers, be devoted in prayer. Be devoted in worship. Be devoted in the things of God. Be devoted to God. You combine that devotion with the power of God behind us. Oh my goodness. The world's about to change. Because the power of God is alive. It's alive inside of us. I love that song that uh, newsboys sing. Oh, God's not dead. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. Is it really roaring like a lion inside of you? Stop the spirit of God inside of you. And let's be devoted to the Lord. And see our city, our lives, our families, everything change. Because we have inside of us the power of God. The church is a sleeping giant that can affect change in all society. We don't have to go kill for Jesus. We don't have to do that. We've got the love of God inside of us that's more powerful to change lives. Amen? How many are committed to being devoted this year like never before? Amen? Stand with me. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Pray with me, folks. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Just lift up your voices. I'm louder than the, all of you combined. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that resides in us, O oh God. Lord, we ask that you forgive us when we've given you, not our best, but just a little bit. When we've given you leftovers, God, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace. But today, Lord, we ask that you infuse us afresh with your spirit, O God. Help us to be a devoted people, a people committed, a people so focused on you, Lord. Devoted to one another in prayer in fellowship, in breaking bread. In our weak spots, oh God, we thank you that your strength is perfected in our weakness, oh God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Today as we continue to pray, I want you to keep your heads bowed. Just see your eyes closed right now. Maybe you haven't even taken the first step or you've been far away from God. And the first step of devotion is actually giving your life to Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ to make him your Lord and your Savior. If you're saying to me today, it's like, Pastor Solo, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to live for him. I want to come to him. If that's you, just wave your hand where you are. I'm going to pray a special prayer for you. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? The rest of you continue to pray. Continue to pray. Maybe you have serve God before, but you know right now in your life, you're not at the place where you need to be with God. You say, you know what? I got to start over. I need a fresh start with God. That's you. Raise your hand where you are. Just wave at me. Wave at me. I'm looking. Wave at me. 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 Wave at me.
Thank you, Jesus. Church, I'm going to invite you to help me pray. Let's pray together and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I thank you that you died on the cross for a sinner like me. Today I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit to live for you. Help me to keep my devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's clap for the Lord. Amen. He's good.